Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have such a good friend coming on the show today who is an expert on grieving children. And she has helped so many thousands of families and so many children over the years, and it's just filled with wonderful information. So let's get right to it, because I know there's a lot of our audience today that are concerned about their kids after a loss. So Heidi, you want to introduce our guest? Sure, I'd love to. And as you said, our guest today is a dear friend. Her name is Linda Goldman, and I share a lot of the articles she's written with my classes at Columbia. And she is a leader in the field of helping grieving children. She is the author of several books, Life and Loss, A Guide to Helping Grieving Children, Climate Change in Youth, and Raising Our Children to Be Resilient. She was an adjunct professor at John Hopkins Graduate School in King's College. She's been a teacher and guidance counselor in the public schools and grief therapist for over 30 years. And she is the recipient of the 10th Global Concern of Human Life Award and the ADAC Clinical Practice Award. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you. It's so good to be with you both. It's good to be with you and to see you. Now, I know that when my son died uh, years ago, my major concern was for the kids. You know, um, you think about your own grief, but you really are worried that your kids aren't going to get through the experience of having a major loss. And I wondered, um, is it different for different age groups of kids? And is there some way that you group them dealing with grief and loss? Well, that's a, a good broad question. And I think children grieve differently at different developmental stages. But even toddlers and babies can have a sense and a feel that they're in a grief environment and also feel the loss of their person, even though they can verbalize it. Um, I know through my work with TAPS that Heidi also works with, that sometimes there's kids um, whose dad or mom has died in the military while mom was pregnant. And so the youngest child never got to know dad and feels a sense of loss and grief that they missed out. So I, I bring that up so that oftentimes if we can provide a way to fill them with memories of relatives, friends and make a booklet for them um, about dad that's theirs, they may feel better about their place in the family system. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I bring that up because a, a newborn grieves the absence of the parent they never knew. Um, and then we get to the pre-operational stage, which is ages around two to five. And I think it's really important to understand how children at this age see death and how they're going to respond. In this age group, they see death with magical thinking, mm. feel like they've caused the death. I've had one little girl who's mom had a heart attack when she was five, tell me it was her fault, her mom died. Mm -hmm. her mom picked her up that day and that caused her heart attack. Mm -hmm. So some people 
And many people might think, I don't know what to say about that. But in reality, it's a blessing because she gets to release that as a child and not carry that guilt into adulthood. Mm -hmm. um, another child whose dad died in the Twin Towers said, I know it's my fault my dad died. He hated his job and I didn't make him quit. <laughs> so we find that in every age group, but it starts there. And it's always a, a very helpful to kids if we can help them release it. Um, the other part of that age group is they think death is reversible. So even though they know grandfather died, they went to the funeral, sometimes they think if they write a letter to grandfather, the, the postman or woman will bring a letter back for them. And then the other is causality, which goes with mag magical thinking. It's my fault. If only I had done this, if only I had invented a backpack with a parachute, my dad could have survived the Twin Towers. Then, um, I mean, I could go on with different examples, but I think it's understanding. They're very concrete. And it's another thing I just thought about is that it's really important, um, the cliches that we use with kids this age, because so often they take what we say um, literally. And so if we say, oh, grandmother was lost, um, and then they think, well, we hope they find her and we hope that she comes. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, he was at a, actually a middle school boy. He came into grief therapy and he said, Linda, I have one question. Do you think my dad is watching over me all the time? That would be very embarrassing. <laughs> right. Well, well, I'm, I'm also thinking, Linda, about the phrase, they die peacefully in their sleep. Yeah. Because for children, as you said, that are concrete, that could be scary. If, you know, if somebody I know died peacefully in their sleep, then I might be afraid to go to sleep because I might die. Exactly. And, you know, it does create anxiety. And it's, one, it's a caution for parents and professionals not to equate death and sleep together. Um, well, what about those teenage years? And, and the teenage years are, well, the preteens, you know, they, they, um, struggle with wanting more concrete facts. What kind of cancer does my mom have? How does it work? Will I get it too? And those kinds of things. And those and, questions are sometimes difficult for adults because they don't want to answer those kind of questions. They don't want to go there themselves. And they're they, asking those hard questions. And I've always found that if the adults are ready to answer the questions, the children are ready to hear it. Because mm -hmm often imagine far worse when we think we can't talk about these things mm -hmm. but they're so computer savvy they're digital natives they know how to look it up the youngest of children so why not create a conversation with um, um, real information that would be helpful and keep it open to answering questions you mentioned teenagers um, Teenagers can be the best of the best in the way that they memorialize and remember their friends, or if their grief is blocked in some way, they can turn to things that aren't as healthy for them. One thing that we found is that they tend to value their age group. And so it's really important to have peer support like the Dougie Center or TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors of the Military 
because kids get to be with other kids and they don't feel so isolated, so alone, and so different. I would say every child grieves differently and so do teens. Some teenagers cry a lot and talk about how they feel. Others withdraw and go on with their life, just like adults do, just like different personalities do. I would try to be open and aware for anything that they hear their child say that they could begin a discussion without prodding them or feeling that they're in a bad place unless they notice signs that might show that. So if they see their, their teenager is slipping in school, um, is beginning to be promiscuous, if they can see that happening, is doing any kind of drugs or alcohol, is becoming more isolated, um, isn't eating as well or sleeping as well, there are signs that, 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 that they might need outside help without the kids verbalizing it. The other thing that I found with teens, sometimes it works to say, you know, I don't know if you really want to do this, but I found a good person that you could talk to. Here's mm -hmm. the number. If you ever feel like that, I've heard they're wonderful and easy to reach out to. And I find that maybe a month later, they might call that, that mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that sometimes people aren't ready to address this for years. They're busy at school. They have goals or things that they want to do, and they don't want to spend the time doing that. They don't want to feel all that while they're applying to schools, while they're doing those important things you can only do when you're in high school or going into college. Um, and so it's a time it's a time that they get hit with it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and also, they, I think some kids are worried about their parents. And so they feel like they have to be strong for their parents, take care of their parents, hide their grief from their parents because their parents are dealing with their own loss. Okay. Own grief. Very good thing for parents to know. Mm -hmm. that they're the, parent, the surviving parent or guardian is their role model. And oftentimes they're absent too because they're in so much grief. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, then the natural progression would be for kids to feel overly responsible. My mother's upset enough. I can't upset them. Yeah. And so let's say to this teen, if, if that seems to be the case in a family, maybe mom is, is feeling so much now, it would be hard to talk to her. But who is the person in your family you could go? Mm -hmm have them think about it because they might not have thought oh i can go to my aunt mm -hmm. i like that really great to talk to when i'm ready you know just mm -hmm. cement that idea and you know sometimes i do a circle of trust with kids and in the center are the people they really trust and once they start thinking about it they haven't really solidified there are other people they can go to Mm -hmm. I love that idea, circle of trust, and and maybe that's something parents can do too: is make make a circle of trust with who could step up and help their kids. You've written some great books. I decided to put um, the children's book, "Children Also Grieve," on my website. Uh -huh. Free to download, and it's like a, it's a storybook and um, a workbook for kids for grief and loss. And there, of course, there's a lot of them out there, but I just thought 
everyone should everyone should be able to have access well give us your website so people know where you can find this oh it's um www.grievingchildren.net uh fabulous well thank you if you have let me ask you one last thing if you had one piece of advice for somebody who's worried about their kids what would it be um well, the advice would be before I gave it, what are you worrying about? What is worry? If you were if you're worried that they're gonna hurt themselves, if you're worried they're doing poorly, let's get outside help. Um, if you're worried that they're not grieving enough, um, it might just be something they have to go through at the time. Again, I say be open because they'll give you clues. Sometimes kids will ask a question, and the question is what they're thinking. Thank you for all the work you're doing and all the love that you give the world. You're a wonderful person. You are too. I agree with my mom, Linda, and thank you for all the children you've helped over the years, because there's been thousands out there that have found hope and coping skills because of the work that you've done. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much. It's been really wonderful. Thank you for joining our show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.